0: Hello, this is Josh Crispin, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. I'm going to draw my text this morning from Genesis chapter 11, verse 30 and then we will read Luke 5 we'll read out of Luke 5 1 through 10 okay so you got to get you got to look in your bible i don't see very many bibles if you have a bible hold it up Thank you for bringing your Bible to church. When you come to church, you should bring your Bible. I mean, we just take for granted that you know that, but uh, just for those of you who didn't know, next time you come to church, bring your Bible. I'm going to quit putting on the screen. So those of you who don't bring your Bible are going to be in the dark. If you have a Bible, say amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm not trying to make you feel good. Well, yeah, I am. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Genesis 11 and verse 30. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now, when the scripture, if you read the the verses prior, it mentions everybody involved, but it doesn't really give any detail about anybody else. But when it mentions Sarah, which is Abraham's wife, it says Sarai was barren. She had no child. Okay, so there's a, a negative connotation attached to Sarai. When her name is mentioned, they can't say her name without saying what she don't have. Luke 5, 1 through 10. And I'll read fast. Praise the Lord. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Somebody say they were done fishing. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and those, most of us know that Simon there is Peter. And prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing nevertheless at thy word I will let down the net and when they had done this they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth, Thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. What a great story. Amen. Do you believe it? I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, When the barren Produce. When the barren produce, why don't we lay our Bibles down, lift our hands to the Lord this morning? I'm going to have Elder Smith come and pray. Why don't you come and pray? Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord, in this place, Lord. Oh, God, an anointing, Lord, upon our pastor, Lord. Oh, Lord, speak through him, Lord, I pray, Lord. Touch every heart, Lord. Oh, God of the concern, Lord. Hallelujah, that is in us, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. You are the keeper, Lord, of our soul in Jesus' name. Have your way. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. When the barren produce, the word barren in the sense uh, that I read about it this morning in our text when talking about Sarah Abraham's wife uh, is not uh, typically used in the day and time that we live in. Um, Back in Bible times, um, to be barren was a curse. To be uh, not able to have children amen, to be not able to reproduce, amen, and so most of us, um, in the day and time that we live in, having children is not necessarily um, a life's dream, amen, it's, uh, uh, I remember I had the desire to have children, I wanted to have six children, and that, that was uh, the number that I had in my heart from uh, just a, a young man, but um, I didn't tell my wife that when I married her. <laughs> Amen. Uh, wanted to have six children because uh, my, my desire in life was to be a dad. Amen. That's what I wanted to be. Little did I know all the responsibilities and pressure and anxiety that comes with being dad. Can all the dads say amen? Amen. It's not an easy job, but uh, at any stretch, um, it's not a desire that most people have they don't they they don't come up dreaming well i just want to have children right i just want to produce something but in the text that we have this morning how many know that when you read the bible it's about more than just having children amen if you look up the word barren it means not producing it means incapable of producing offspring or habitually failing to fruit Amen. If you have a tree in the backyard and it's an apple tree, you expect that apple tree to bear apples. Somebody say amen. When we planted our garden this year, we planted tomato plants and we had high expectation of having some fresh garden tomatoes. Can somebody say amen? It's, It's the desire when the tree's planted to get the fruit of the tree. Amen. The whole purpose of the tree or the plant being planted is to produce. Amen. It's to to produce what you are purposed to produce. Amen. To be barren is to be unproductive of results or gain. Amen. To be barren means lacking of inspiration or ideas. Amen. How many know you can be barren in a lot of ways other than just not producing offspring? Come on. There's a lot of people producing offspring, but that's the only thing that they can produce. Amen. Not producing. I believe in prayer this morning, the Lord put this into my spirit. And what he means by us being barren is not producing what you are supposed to produce. Or not producing what you were purposed to produce. Somebody say amen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be barren. I don't want to be unfruitful. Amen. In one place, he said, why cumbereth you the ground? Amen. Why are you planted in the ground? If you're you're not going to produce what you're supposed to produce, he said, I will root you up. Amen. How many know that we need to be productive individuals? Amen. We need to be producing what God has purposed in our lives. Somebody say amen. Sarah was the wife of Abraham. Can I just take my time this morning? They got me into the pulpit at 20 after 11. That means I got an hour and a half. <laughs> Sarah was barren, okay? Uh, the Bible was clear to tell us that she had no child. It's not clear how long that Abraham and Sarah had been married but I can't help to notice when reading the Scripture, if you go through and you read the story yourself, you'll, you'll notice and you'll feel the growing tension and the anxiety in the relationship between Sarah and Abraham over the continual and seemingly permanent state of Sarah's barrenness. Amen. It was a problem in their lives. Amen. A promise was made to Abraham and Sarah that through their seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. As the sand on the seashore and the stars in heaven, he said, so shall thy seed be. Amen. Somebody say amen. But all of that, the Word of God, all of the promise that God had put in their spirits, it all comes to a screeching halt at the mention of her barrenness or her lack to produce. The continuation of life and family comes to a screeching halt at the mention of her barrenness. Marriage in those days was purposed to be produced, to produce an heir, a representation of the covenant relationship. Somebody say amen. Between a man and a woman, the whole purpose of that relationship is put on hold because of Sarah Sarah being barren. She and her barrenness begin to be synonymous terms. When folks spoke of Sarah, they can't help but to mention her inability to have children. Amen. The, 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 the glaringly ob- obvious issue in her life was her lack of production. Amen. When 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 people heard around the community, heard the name of Sarah, they understood her problem. Come on. They understood her 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 deficiency. They understood all of the issues that she had in her not being able to produce. Amen. Everything in her life pointed to her inability to be and to have what God had purposed in her life. Amen. They were talking about it. Amen. How many know they probably wrote songs about it? I don't know. It it was on, they talked about it on the phone and it was a rumor around the community about what she didn't have and about what she couldn't do. Amen. Her inability to do it herself was a constant reminder that she and Abraham in and of themselves were limited. Amen. Stay with me this morning. At some point, they had to realize that without God, without the hand of God, without the plan of God, come on, life was empty and barren. They had to come to a realization at some point that without the purpose of God being fulfilled in their lives, their desires in and of themselves left them in empty. Amen. No doubt they tried their own way. They tried to do it their own way. They tried to do it under their own power. They tried to do it uh, uh, in their own ideas, but understand that only God can bring his plan to pass. And it's only when we submit totally completely to the plan of God, will that happen? Amen. Sarah was a very beautiful Lady. If you read scripture, scripture makes it clear that she was a very beautiful woman. Amen. She was easy on the eyes. That's how we put it. Well, I got a couple laughs, but she was beautiful. No doubt a blessing from the Lord, amen. Scripture's clear about the magnitude of her beauty. Her beauty in her life was the main focus for a large part of the beginning of the story. If you go through and you read the story of Abraham and Sarah, Scripture focuses uh, a big part on the beauty of Sarah. Amen. She caught the attention of Pharaoh and King Abimelech. Amen. How many remember that? Have you read that? If you haven't read it, I want you to go back through Genesis and read the story of Abraham and Sarah. How that It was the beauty of Sarah that caught the attention of Pharaoh and caught the attention of King Abimelech. Amen. At one point, uh, Abraham lied and said, that's my sister. Because he didn't want the king to kill him and take his wife. So he was going to take her anyway. Amen. And he tried to take her. He tried to take her and make her his own. But God gave the king a dream and said, if you touch that woman, your life depends on it. Amen. Because that's not just some woman, that woman is part of the master plan. Come on. And when you're part of the plan of God, God will take up warfare on your behalf. Amen. How many know that even the, the the evil eye of this world can see the potential in you? Come on, Pharaoh and King Abimelech, they could see the potential that was in Sarah. They could see her beauty. They could see her giftings. And they wanted to take that and exploit that for their own gain. Come on, they wanted to take her beauty and the reason God had created her and exploit that to get what they wanted. Make no mistake about it the world around you, they see your gifting, they see your potential, they see your potential beauty. But they don't want to use it for your gain. They want to use it for their own gain. Don't let the world exploit your beauty for what they purposed. allow God to use your life to get glory out of what he has created you to be. Preach to the young people this morning. Don't let this world steal your youth. Come on. Don't let it steal your vigor. Don't let it steal your giftings. Don't let it steal your zeal for serving God. Because the plan that God has for your life uh, is greater. It's greater. It's bigger than any plan that this world can have for you. It will produce more in your life uh, than this world can possibly fathom. it's an eternal plan it's an eternal purpose amen and I couldn't help but focus this morning on the desire of King Abimelech and the desire of Pharaoh for Sarah amen and how that the, they desire to have her for themselves Amen. And Sarah couldn't do anything really to to fight it off. She was in a position where her beauty had gotten her in trouble. Her husband didn't stand up for her. And so she had to depend on God to get her out of the mess. You know, there are some times that we don't even really want to do what the world's asking us to do. We don't really want to go where they're asking us to go. But we don't really have any way out. But I want to tell you this morning... When God's got a plan for your life, uh, he's going to fight for you. Come on. He's going to put you in a position where he can bring deliverance to your life, uh, where he can set you free, where he can protect you and keep you. Somebody say amen. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. Amen. God told the king, he said, if you touch her, I'm going to kill you. That's serious. Amen. I felt like saying that to see some young men and come on, start liking my daughters and I I just give them that look. I can't help but smirk. better back up. Amen. What exactly are your intentions? Don't lie to me either, boy. God knew his intention. And what his desire for her was to draw her away from the plan of God for her life. And this is something that God takes serious. Amen. His plan is eternal. I don't think Abraham really took it as serious as God did. Amen. He let, he let Pharaoh get in between uh, him and his wife and the purpose of God for her life amen he didn't he didn't fight for he didn't stand up for he just kind of backed down amen and I want to tell you uh, that there, there's some of you that you've never had anybody fight for you you've never had anybody stand up for you you've never had a man of God stand in the gap for you but I want to tell you today uh, that there is a God in heaven uh, that's fighting for you that cares for you that has a plan for your life uh, and it's not his desire for you to be exploited but to be used for His purpose. That's good preaching. Amen. Amen. Sarah was beautiful. But like most beautiful people, I don't have any idea what that's like. Only two people laughed. It's funny. Uh, Most beautiful people rely on their beauty. Right? Most gifted and intelligent people, they rely on their giftings and intelligence. Amen. To get them where they need to go. And I believe that there was a, a big part of Sarah's life that uh, her desire to, to operate in her beauty and operate in the gifting of God on her life kind of got in her way in trusting the Lord. Amen. How many know it's without faith, it's impossible to please God? For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. So if we come to God without faith or we we want God to operate in our lives without us operating in faith, it's it's fruitless. At some point, you're going to have to trust God to do for you what you can't do for yourself. At some point in your life, your beauty is not going to get you there. Your intelligence is not going to get you there. Your ability to, to, to have common sense and figure things out is not going to get you there. At some point in your life, you're going to have to put your faith and your trust and your confidence in God and put it totally in Him. And then and only then will you be able to produce what God has purposed for you in your life somebody say amen it wasn't till she was old it it wasn't till she was old that the promise was fulfilled and I couldn't help but to ponder why 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 was it when when she was past the age where she could produce then god said okay have you ever asked that question have you ever thought about that you know, because there was a point in her life where she's like, well, this is not going to come to pass. And uh, I'm tired of not being able to, to produce it. And so, uh, oh, Abraham, why don't you go into my handmaid and, and have a child with her. And we'll take that child and raise it on our own. And that will be the fulfilling of God's promise. How many know what that produced? Amen. That produced Ishmael. And Ishmael will always fight against the promise. Anytime we try to do it ourselves, produce it ourselves, do it our own way, or try to conceive it in our own minds through ideas and reasoning, and try to come up with a way to fulfill God's word for my life. That's not your job. Your job is to submit totally and completely to the plan of God, wait for the timing of God, and He will do what He said He would do. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to do it myself. Uh, But I do have to submit to the plan and the purpose of God. And I have to lay down my own ideas, my own ways. uh, Because His way is far above my way. Like the heaven is far above the earth. uh, So are His ways higher than our ways. uh, And His thoughts than our thoughts. Uh, You're never going to be able to conceive it in your mind and figure it out. So surrender to the plan of God. Surrender to the purpose of God. Don't waste your youth. Don't waste the time that you're living in now. Allow God to do it now. Somebody say, do it now. Sometimes God lets us get to the end of ourselves. Because how many know that beauty, beauty is only It's only skin deep, yeah. But they say ugly goes clear of the bone. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Beauty is, yeah, it's skin deep, but it's temporary. When I woke up and looked in the mirror, morning I was like dude you're almost 50 and you look it." you know how many know that our youth there's a beauty that we had in our youth and those of you that are young you have no idea what I'm talking about but as you get older we just get uglier <laughs> somebody say man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not true. But there's a different type of beauty that you begin to develop as you grow old and you mature. There's a different type of understanding and way of life that you begin to develop when when you begin to understand your own limitations. And you begin to understand life and what it takes to, 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 to be successful in God. Amen. And as little of me that I can involve as possible, that's what I'm going to do. Amen. Because I understand that He's the vine and I'm the branches and that I can't do anything of myself that except I abide in the vine and He and me. I can do nothing. Come on. How many know that we will never produce anything for the Lord or the purpose of God or the eternal purpose in trying to operate ourselves because any branch that's void of a connection with the vine is void of the, the entire purpose of God. But if you're connected to the vine and he's connected to you, what's in the vine flows in you. And if what's in the vine flows in you, you're going to produce what's in him, which is going to be eternity. It's going to be peace and the fruit of the spirit. Somebody say, "Amen." I got to be connected to him and it was only as sarah got older she had gotten past the point of where she could do it <clears throat> she'd went through the menopause stage of life where her body quit cycling she's no longer producing or having within herself the ability to do it okay No matter how hard they try, it's not going to happen. Somebody say amen. And so in order, if there's there's going to be any movement at this point, it's going to have to be God. Her inability to do it herself was a constant reminder that she and Abraham They had to depend completely on the hand of God and without God they could do nothing and they had to depend upon the word and the plan of God for their life. Why is it seemingly people cannot do for God until they have no other option? I want to sometimes... We just keep trying to do it ourselves and keep trying to do it ourselves and keep trying to make it happen and keep trying to be it and, and keep trying to produce it all in our own ability and all in our own strength. But we have to understand that our strength in comparison to God's strength is nothing. Come on. That in or, in order to produce what God wants to put in us, we have to die out to ourselves. We can't, He said, In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Amen. In my own mind and my own dreams and aspirations dwells no good thing. I gotta come to the end of myself and lay down myself on the altar and say, God, I've I've come to the end of myself. I need you to do it for me. I need you to do it through me and, and lay down yourself and live a life in order of God's word and allow him to be in your life what he desires to be in your life somebody say amen we know the story how that when she was past age the angel of the Lord came and said Sarah's going to conceive a child and bear a son And Sarah was outside the tent she said <laughs> oh, oh. Woo. that's funny right she laughed at the promise of god because now he says that when my youth is gone she still didn't understand she's still thinking through the lens of her own beauty and her own strength come on She's still thinking through the lens of doing it herself. Amen. She was past the point that it was humanly possible. Amen. And so she thought it was impossible. Still. Amen. She still thought that the promise of God was out of reach because it was impossible for her to do it. I'm going to tell you right now that sometimes God waits so that you won't try to take the glory, so that you won't try to get the glory for what he produces in your life. And sometimes he's got to get past the point where you can do it so that then he can do it through you so that you'll give him praise and honor and you'll be a testimony of what God did in your life. What not what you did yourself. Amen. How many know that Isaac being born was a testimony of the power of God? Peter, let's, let's switch to Peter here for a moment. Peter was young and zealous. He was, he was, a, he was a fighter. He was uh, a loud mouth fighter. Read the scripture. At times he should have shut up. He couldn't shut up. How many know what I'm talking about? We got any loud mouth fighters in here? Nobody's going to own up to that. Amen. Peter was, he was, uh, uh, he was spontaneous. He was, he was strong. He was, uh, he's the one that drew the sword in the garden. And cut Malchus's ear off. Amen. The Lord said, hold on a minute there, Lafayette. Only those with young children know what I'm talking about. I'm the leader. I say when we go. Nobody still knows what I'm talking about. Aristocats. Anybody ever seen the cartoon Aristocats? He pulled him back and he said, what are you doing? If you live by that sword, you're going to die by the sword. Right? That's not the, you can't always operate under your own strength. You can't always operate under your own instincts. Come on. You can't always operate under your gut feeling and what your heart wants to do. Amen. I had a basketball coach tell me one time it was the the, uh, district final. And we're in a game, and it's the end of the first half, and I got two fouls. And I'm guarding a guy out at half court, and and I'm catting and mousing him. I want to take the ball from him and try to score before halftime. Can I talk basketball for a minute? And so I'm, I'm playing him pretty tough, and the clock's winding down, and he tried to cross over in front of me, and I said, whoop. Poked it out and I was going the other way and they whistled me for a foul. I was like, what? I heard my coach. Christmas! I was like, I come back down to reality real quick. I heard man here comes a sub. So instead of going to, this is the bench right here, and this is my coach. Instead of going where he's yelling at me, I was like, because the water jug's down here, you know. He's like, get down here. So I was like, oh. he's like, What are you thinking? Well, I wanted to get the ball and score another hoop before halftime. He's like, how long you played for me? A couple years now. When are you going to learn? Well, it's the district finals of my senior year, so I'm probably not going to, right? He said these words to me. Sometimes you got to do what you knows right, and not operate according to your instinct. I was like, uh, "All right," I had no idea what he was talking about. I was I was seventeen seventeen years old still, and. And uh, still green, no, no, no idea uh, what he was talking about. But later on in life, those words came back to me. As I continually tried to live my life according to my own instinct and my own ability, and not according to wisdom and understanding. Come on. I, I didn't ponder my way. I didn't feel after the Lord for my way. I just I just lived according to what I wanted. And what I wanted to do. And where I wanted to go. And it ended me up in foul trouble. Come on, not being able to play the game like I wanted to play the game or even to be involved in the game. In fact, how many know that when we live life according to our own instinct, we bind the hands of God in our life. We bind the plan of God in our life, and he can't do for us and in us what he wants to do because we won't let go of our own way and what we want for our own lives. And I want to tell you this morning, you need to let go of what you want for your own life and get a hold of what God wants for your life because i can assure you what he wants is bigger than what you want it's greater than what you want hey, amen peter peter's they just toiled all night they just fished and they're cleaning their nets and jesus comes along and he's got a big crowd of people and they want to hear him preach it and so jesus steps over to peter and says hey bro can i use your boat uh i guess i guess so i guess you can so he climbs up on and He says, cast out a little bit from the land so I can get a good look at these people. And so Jesus stands there and he ministers to the crowd for a little while. But let me know that when Jesus tries to do, when he does something, he doesn't do it out of chance. And so the fact that he got on Peter's boat was an indication that he wanted to do something in Peter for Peter. Sometimes I, 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 really, I think that we really lack in faith. We don't really understand that if the Spirit of God is drawing on us, there's something that He wants to put in us and do through us that, that, that we haven't even conceived in our minds. Amen. That we, we can't even understand the greatness of, the, of what He wants to do in us and through us and the position that He has for us in eternity and in heaven. Come on. And what He wants us to be in His kingdom. Uh, we, 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 we think so small. But God will start with the small things so that he can get us to understand heavenly things. And so he says, Cast out a little bit from the land. Uh, cast the net. He's like, What? I just cleaned the nets. We just fished all night and caught nothing. Has anybody ever fished all night before and didn't catch anything? Is is, is there anybody in here that has put all your effort and energy into something with, with no result? You, you put all of your effort and your energy into going where you think you need to go and doing what you think you need to do. All of your effort, all of your energy, all of your resources into doing it and trying to become it and trying to be it and it produced nothing in your life. What does that do to you? It makes you not want to try, doesn't it? And so when the Lord said, cast the net, he, he, he's like, I already did. We toiled all night. We, you look up the word toil, it means to struggle. With great pain and stress, with great labor, to toil. Amen. This is not just casting. <laughs> yeah, my arm's tired. I fished all night. They're throwing the net in. Pulling the net back in. This is a constant thing well, when they fished back in these days. Amen. But how many know that the, 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 the seas they were fishing were filled with fish? But they couldn't catch any. But the Lord said, throw your net out. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you my power. And so they throw it out there. They got so much, so many fish. He said, that's what he said. He said, I don't want to do it, but at your word, I'm going to do it just because you told me to. Just to humor you. Just to show you that there's no fish in here. And when he did it, when God, at God's bidding. How many, how many times have we tried to do it? ourselves and caught nothing and then God spoke a word and we did it and it was fruitful that's why being in the will of God is so important because he knows where the fish are at he knows where it's at he knows where the blessings are. in fact when he gives a word the the word of God brings with it the blessing of the Lord. And when you're obedient to the Word of God, the blessing of the Lord falls on your life because God's Word produces blessing. Amen. And anybody who obeys His Word will be blessed by His Word. Come on. Anybody who's obedient to the command of God will be blessed by the commandment of the Lord. But if we try to do it our way, life's going to be hard because the way of a transgressor is hard. You're going to work and you're going to labor and the things that you catch, you're not going to want. It's not going to produce the happiness that you want in your life why don't you just give up and put it in God's hands and let him have your life and quit toiling over things that don't matter man they caught such a catch they couldn't even bring it in by themselves all their friends and all their boats, they had to bring them all over and they filled them all up because when you're blessed of God, the people around you are blessed of God. When you obey God's word, it will be, it will be evident to the people around you that the hand of God is on their life. I want to get near somebody that's blessed because if I'm near somebody that's blessed, I'm going to be blessed. That's why I want my friends to be people that are obedient to the word of God. I want my friends to be people that are holy and separated unto the Lord because the blessing. Blessing of the Lord are upon us. Somebody say amen. Amen. Peter fell down. Said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. But God doesn't call us because of what we've done in ourselves or what we can do in ourselves. He calls us because there's a plan that he wants to put in us. And there's some things that he wants to do through us. And he said, get up, my son, because catching these fish is not the purpose and the plan. That was just a way for me to get your attention. Because I can give you that if I want to give you that. If I wanted that to be your way of life, I could bless that and make that prosper. Come on, if I wanted that to be your main focus, I would bless it and it would overflow. Come on, somebody. If I wanted that to be what you poured all your effort and your energy into, then I would bless it. But that's not what I called you to be. I have called you to be a preacher, a fisher of men. I have called you to follow me. That's why he told him, Don't labor at the meat for the meat that perisheth, but labor for that meat that does not perish. Because there are things that God can put in your life that will never fade away, that will never go away. It will be fruitful and it will produce everything that God has purposed, and it will fulfill your life for the rest of your life and for the rest of eternity. But if we labor for that which fades away, that's all we will have. And one of these days. It'll fade away and we'll be left with nothing. But I want to experience with God that takes me beyond the things of this world and takes me into the heavenly so that I can sit with him in heavenly places. Clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. Oh, I'm preaching hard. Peter began to follow the Lord. made some mistakes along the way he did some positive things a couple weeks ago Matt preached about the uh, uh, Jesus said who's who say men that I am he said some say that you're the prophets Isaiah Elijah he said who do you say that I am he said thou art the Christ the son of the living God this is Peter that was speaking the same Peter He said, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed that to you, but my father, which is in heaven and upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And thou art Peter, right? He changed his name at that point. He said, Simon, you're Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And if you look up the name Peter, it means a little stone or a stone that's part of the the rock. Amen. How many know that, that at that moment, Jesus gave him a change of identity? Because there's a difference between the fisherman Simon and the preacher Simon. couple scriptures later Jesus is talking about going to the cross and being killed and being brought up before evil men and Peter says no 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 hold on a minute be it far from thee Lord that's not going to happen to you and Jesus looks at him and he says get thee behind me Satan for thou savorest not the things that be of God but the things that be of men Right? There, was a, there was an identity crisis going on in the, in the, in the heart of Simon. Amen. And one, at one instance, he, was, he had a word of God. And in the other instance, uh, he was wanting to do things the way that men do them. Amen. He was operating according to himself. How many know he had some ups and downs? And he had a lot of learning Amen. to go through. But it did happen. Jesus went to the cross. Somebody say it did happen. He was killed. They beat him with a cat of nine tails, 39 stripes. They nailed him to that cross. They pierced him with the the spear. Blood and water flowed out. He died on the cross. And they took him and buried him in the tomb. And Peter, all of his dreams, all of the disciples... The Bible says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly after he denied the Lord. As Jesus stood before the court and the council, Peter watched afar off. Three times they asked him who... uh, who he was and that he was with Jesus and he denied being even with the Lord. And the Bible tells us that the third time that he denied him, that the cock crew and the words that Jesus spoke were fulfilled. And Jesus looked up at him as Peter's walking away. And Peter went and wept bitterly because he had, he had fulfilled the the what God, what Jesus had spoken about him. He had let him down. He had denied the Lord in front of all the witnesses and he was condemned in his heart. Somebody say he was condemned in his heart. A couple days later, Jesus rises from the dead. How many know he's alive forevermore? I'm almost done. Go ahead, clap your hands to the Lord. He's worthy. He's alive forevermore. He rises from the dead. He shows himself to the disciples, the risen Savior. He said, Behold, behold, the nail holes in my hand and the, hand in my, the, the hole in my side. Put forth your hand and, and, and touch me because spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. Amen. He wasn't just in spirit form. He had went back to the grave and got his body that had been crucified. Amen. How many know that, he, that you can't kill something that hasn't sinned or that's incorruptible? That he, he said, destroy this temple in three days. I'll raise it back again. Amen. Power over death and hell and the grave. And he has the keys to, to hell and of death. Amen. How many know that he overcome death when he rose from the dead? Peter. It doesn't say that Peter was there or not. It just says that the disciples were gathered there. And I would assume that Peter was in the room when the Lord came to them the first time. I would assume that. But it doesn't say anything about the Lord addressing him individually. Because out of all the disciples, I want you to stay with me. Out of all the disciples that followed the Lord, Peter denied him. And Judas sold him, and Judas hung himself, killed himself, right? But Peter didn't kill himself, but he's still living with the condemnation of denying the Lord. So there's a greater depth of hurt and trouble that Peter's dealing with that all the other disciples are not. Somebody say amen. Yeah, they all fled, but Peter denied the Lord three times directly. Amen. And so when, when Jesus arose, he said go, he told the ladies, he said, "Go tell my disciples and Peter." He singled him out as letting him know, even though you failed, there's a reason for your failure. Come on, even though that you've done the wrong thing and you've denied me and you've done worse than the other disciples, there's a reason for that. Because in order for me to use you the way that I want to use you, it's going to take you to go to a deeper depth of hurt and pain so that I can bring healing and restoration to your life so you'll know that what I do through you is not coming from you, but it's coming from me. Is everybody with me? Are y'all all all right? Right after the scriptures, read it. This is great. Right after the scriptures where the Lord shows himself to his disciples, Peter gets up because he still hasn't learned. He said, I go fishing. And all the other, there was like six of them with him. And he's like, I go fishing. That's the way we talk around here too. <laughs> I go fishing. And they all go, we're with you. You know, Peter was a leader. So Peter going fishing is an indication to me that he's going the wrong direction. Because he's going back to what the Lord called him out of. But See, that's what we do sometimes when, when we when we haven't had enough of ourselves and uh, we're kind of in between. We're not fulfilling the will of God in our lives, but we're not doing it our own way. We're kind of in between. We're, we're in process where the hands of the Lord are upon our lives and molding us and making us into what He wants us to be. But sometimes we get impatient with the process and we say, well, if I'm not going that way, then I'm going back to where I came from because I feel like I have no place. I feel like I'm in between. I deny the Lord. Lord, I let him down. I'll never be what he said I was going to be. So I might as well go fish. In that one statement, I go a fishing. He's saying a whole lot. The other disciples looked up to Peter. So they said, we're going with you. So they get in the boat and they go fishing. And they toiled all night. They fished all night. They were expert fishermen. This is their occupation. They're talented. They know where the fish are, right? They know where the honey holes are. Amen. They know the the lakes and the seas that they're fishing on. They know where they're at at certain times and certain times of the year and the seasons. And they know when it's fruitful and when it's not fruitful. Amen. And so when an expert fisherman gets in a boat and he don't catch anything, come on, there's something beyond his power and his ability that he has to confront. They worked all night. They labored all night. working. Has anybody ever said, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of trying. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired. It's, it's of life. I keep trying. I keep working. I keep laboring, but it doesn't produce what I think it's going to produce. It never, it never has the return of the investment that I put into it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I never seem to get that return on my investment. It doesn't, know, it doesn't matter how much I work and how much labor I put in and how much how much, how much much research and, and time I spend trying to become the best at what I do. It never produces what I want it to produce. And I will tell you tonight, it's because that's not what God has called you to do. There's a different pull on your life. There's a different calling on your life other than what you're pouring your time into. God is pulling you up so that He could send you out. Here's what He says Hey, Jesus is standing on the shore. Hey, do you have any meat? Now this is the Lord talking. He don't ask you a question that he don't know the answer to. He knows the answer to every question. And so if he asks you a question, he wants you to ponder the question. Do you have any meat? <laughs> you know, I bet that just got the heart of Peter. Do you have any meat? Think they can do it themselves. Look at him going back to fishing. Taught nothing. No, we don't have any meat. He says, uh, Cast your net on the right side of the boat. Right back in the same place. Showing him the exact same thing. For the second time. Because... People like us are slow learners. If you've got a hard head, how many times does the Lord have to tell you that that way is not going to prosper? How many times does He have to speak a word into your life to tell you His plan's better than your plan? How many times does He have to show you that if He wanted to bless that, He could bless that? Peter, they cast it. Catch so much many fish. And Peter says it's the Lord. And he doesn't even stay to help reel in the fish. He puts on his fisherman's coat. The Bible says, because he was naked. Now I ain't fishing with any dude just doing it naked. You better put some clothes on, boy. That's just weird. But I think this is a representation of something because he was naked before the Lord. but he tried to put his fisherman's coat on because a coat is a representation of your identity. And since I'm not going to be Peter, I better be Simon, the fisherman. So, so he puts his coat on and he jumps in and swims to the shore. Gets there. Jesus, this is, there's so much in this story. I've been preaching for an hour, like I promised. They show up on the land, and he's got fish cooking already. It says it specifically. He's got hot coals, and there's fish on 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 the grill. So he has already caught the fish and cooked the fish. His process is way ahead of their process. And they're laboring, and they're toiling, and they're trying to figure it out, and they're trying to do it, and the whole time the Lord has the hot coals and the fish on the fire just waiting on them to get tired of doing it themselves and trying to do it His way. Think about that. It's already on the grill. Fish fry. Fish fry at Jesus' house. He says, all right, bring those he caught let's go. Peter's still got his fisherman's coat on. And notice, I want you to go back and read these stories. This is awesome. You need to read the Bible. Jesus pulls him aside and begins to walk with him. And he addresses him as Simon Barjona. Because all the time when he was following the Lord, he called him Peter. Amen. Except the moments when he was not Peter. (laughs) When he chose to put that fisherman's coat back on, it changed something. Jesus didn't try to identify him as Peter. He identified him as what he wanted to be identified as. Because if you don't have the faith to believe in it, God can't take you where he wants you to go. Amen. He says, Simon, he called him Simon Barjona, addresses him as Simon Barjona. He said, Simon, do you love me? He says, Lord, you can stand with me. He said, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. Said, feed my feed my sheep. Simon, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Simon, do you love me? Ask him a third time. He says, Lord. You know, you know all things. You know that I love you. feed my sheep. For when you were young, you did what you wanted to do. You went where you wanted to go. But when you're old, another's gonna gird you. And you're gonna go what you where you don't want to go. And you're gonna do what you don't want to Jesus was giving Peter a lesson. Jesus was asking him, do you love me, agape style, which means sacrificial love. And when Peter was answering, he was saying, yes, I love you, phileo, I phileo love you, I uh, I have affection for you. And so the reason he asked him three times is because he wasn't getting the answer that he was Desiring to get, Do you love me enough to take off the coat that you're hiding under? Do you love me enough to to quit trying to do it your own way? Do, do you love me enough to trust me that my plan for your life is better than your own plan for your life? Do you love me enough? I believe that as he was addressing him, he was looking at the coat he was wearing. He was, he, was, he was pulling him out again of what he was trying to run back to and trying to impart the plan and the purpose of God in his life. I believe that there are people under the sound of my voice. And I believe there are people watching online. That you, you, you've done it your way so long. You, you, you've, you, you've toiled and you've worked and you've labored. And you've tried to do it your own way. You've, you, you've, you've relied on your beauty. You've relied on your, your, your own giftings. You've relied on your mind and your own instincts to, to try to make it through life and to, to get ahead in life and to have that everything that this world has to offer only to be left with nothing. Only to be left with nothing of value. And I come to preach to you this morning that you might be at your wit's end and you might be at a place where you're ready to give up and throw in the towel and say, what is even the point anymore? But God is saying something different. He's saying, why don't you just take on my plan? Why don't you just receive my love? It's time that you take off your own coat of definition. It's time that you lay yourself on the altar of God. It is time in your life where your youth is gone. Or wait me. To where, where you've wasted too much time, where now is the time for you to release your life to the Lord so that He can get glory through your life as He's purposed in heaven. Now's the time. Now is the time to give what you've never given. Now's the time to surrender in a way that you've never surrendered. Now is the time to yield to Him. Totally and completely, Peter, Sarah, as I talk to you this morning, don't let your, don't let the enemy exploit your youth. Don't let the enemy exploit your beauty. Don't let the, this world take from you the value of this life. There is a place of comfort, peace an anointing that the Lord has set aside for your life. Don't waste it on that which perisheth. Don't waste it on that which which only lasts for just a moment. Begin to pour yourself to God in prayer and seeking after those things that last for eternity. I wonder if as a church we can lift our hands unto the Lord we could just feel after him, God, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, God, that your hand would be upon every person. Upon their minds and upon their hearts. I pray that you would, you, would not, uh, you would not forfeit striving with us, God. But that you would continue to pull on us. And to pull us towards you, God, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would not let us off easy. Lord, I pray those ones under the sound of my voice that are dead set on toiling. I pray, God, that you would let them toil. I pray, God, that they would have their fill, Lord. I pray, God, that you would bring them to the end of themselves so that they can realize the purpose and the plan of God in their lives. I pray, Lord, God, in the name of Jesus that you would pull, that you would work, God, that you would deliver, that you would set free. In the name of Jesus I pray. How many will be honest this morning with the Lord and say, Man, I've I've done it my own way. I'm still doing it my own way. Even living for God, I'm still trying to do it my own way. How many would be honest this morning? And be honest about the trouble and the failure and the emptiness that you feel on a daily basis. And even though you never give up searching, you never seem to find what you're looking for. That's because you're searching in the wrong place. Amen. Why don't we come as a church this morning and find a place where we can set aside ourselves, where we can just pull on the the, the purpose of God where we can, we can draw from the presence of the Lord this morning. Why don't we come in repentance this morning and, and kneel before Him and say, Lord, God, I've done it my way too many times. I've failed too many times. I've come up empty too many times. I've never gotten a return on my investment. I've gotten to the place where I've given up on, on trying, God, and I've just been sitting back idle and not, not having any purpose or not not reaching for anything bigger than what I already have. I'm living in command complacency and the thought of failure and never having anything more, I want to tell you this morning that God's got a purpose for your life. And if you'll pull on him, he will put a dream in you. That's beyond you. And he will put ability in you. That's beyond you. And he will use you for his glory and for his purpose. And one of these days you'll walk on streets of gold. One of these days you'll sit with him in his throne. One of these days you'll dance in heaven with him. Oh, God, one of these days, I'm going to see him face to face. One of these days, I'm going to get beyond the hurt of this life. I'm going to get beyond the struggle of this life. One of these days, He's going to pull me out of here. And I'm going to be forever with Him. One of these days, I'm going to go to a place called glory. I'm going to go to a place where I'll dwell for eternity with my Savior. One of these days, I'm going to know as also as I am known. I'm going to see what I've never seen and understand what I've never understood.